0: to the stuff of stories. I'm Sarah Jane Rose and I'm here all by myself. So there's been a bit of a hiatus over the school holidays and Ian's been on holiday, I was on holiday, it was camping and all sorts of chaos. So I interviewed an author, J.A. Zarifian, a, n- a number of weeks ago now and sadly the first interview I-, I completely lost the audio of and I don't know what happened. Technical problems, it- i it just disappeared. So I then had to re-interview uh, Jazz, uh, which I did. She very kindly welcomed me to her house and I uh, bribed her with wine and cheese. And so this is the interview that's going to follow. That Again, there was then a huge hiatus and it's taken me uh, weeks to edit it. So huge apologies go to uh, Jazz for how much time it's taken us to get this uh, podcast together. So we're back um, and this is the interview with the lovely author of Once Upon a Mouse, J.A. Zerifian. So we're just going to go for it. Okay, let's. Um, so here we are again. <laughs> I'm here with Jazz. So we had a lovely chat last time at the Crescent Theatre and it was really nice to be back inside a the theatre. Sadly, due to some technical difficulties... I don't know what happened. I wish I did, um, but I lost the file, and that's that. So instead, uh, Jazz and I have decided to have a cheese and wine afternoon. So clink, chin yes. chin. <laughs> so we're having some lovely cheese um, from Arch Thirteen in Birmingham, which I picked up on my way through. And we are this and lovely time wine. inside. Oh, some cool yes. Okay. And this time we are inside Jazzy's kitchen,
1: kitchen, family dining room, and bar.
0: A oh, Most important the... bit. That is. Good. Well, you can't see this sadly, but no, there is a um, a vintage style corner bar. I oh, look. Oh! It's a. <laughs> it's a mir- oh my god! It's a mirrored cupboard that opens out into a full sort of drinks cabinet with a light inside.
1: Yeah. Um. And that's the goddess Diana on the front because my daughter oh god, is Diana, Diana. Yeah, and course. Casey is the one who was the bar fanatic. He, uh, when he was at Warwick, my son uh, went to, yeah, Warwick got his degree in history, and he was also the president of the uh, Drink Society, the Um, bars. What was it called? The, the, what I can't remember. Mixologist. Mixologist. Or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, so we thought, well, let's, let's. Embrace that. Embrace it, and I'm happy with any kind of booze. So uh, but that is that's beautiful. why it's also got the Russian corner because his uh. his studies were a lot of, of Russian.
0: So we're having wine and cheese. We're going to talk about stories. I mean, this is probably the perfect afternoon, really. Um, it so, works for me. So let's go. Um, let's just go back a little bit on uh, on your journey Kay. of once upon a mouse. So let's talk briefly again about. Where did it, Were you always a writer, or did you become a writer more recently because this is your first book? Well
1: I've, I've been writing most of my life. Uh, I think I can remember I, re- I started reading very early, uh, to the point where my brother, who was four years older than I, would give me his books and say, "Tell me what it's about. I need to turn in a book report tomorrow." Um, So he was in fourth grade and I was in first or something, but I was reading it. And I loved them, I loved reading, I loved the way it transports you. I loved, there was never a time that people could not find me with a book in my hand or my nose in a book. And so yeah, reading and storytelling. And I was always writing little sorts of stories. In fact, oh my God, I just remembered the other day this too. I sent a fan letter to Richard Nixon when I was a kid, when he was president and it was all about wouldn't it be great if we were all bunnies because i wanted to be a bunny not a playboy bunny a actual <laughs> Just to be clear yeah bunny <laughs> and i sent with pictures of you know spiro agno is a bunny and all these other people as bunnies and I got back a lovely, you know, tour of the White House book, and you know, the, the thank you so much. That's I just, hilarious. I, sh- I just shudder at it now. But yeah, my family <laughs> was a diehard Republicans. In fact, I do still have a Nixon. Um, brooch with an elephant and it spells out Nixon. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. At some point I will find someone who will want to pay massive amount of money for it. it, So I was writing stories at a very early age and then when I learned how to use a typewriter finger by finger I tried to type them out. I don't have any of them anymore. I don't know what did happen to them but yeah so most of my life it's been a case of writing. I used to write in the stairwell of my theater, where I went to university, Cal State Northridge, and people would know where to find me. They would just open the, and there I was sitting on the stairwell. Uh, at one point, they were, there was talk of a memorial plaque on my stairs. At some point, and <laughs> I I'd hope they do it before I die. It would be nice. Uh, but that's, people knew where they could find me, and that's where I was writing plays. Okay. And we did a few of them at the theater, so that was fun. Um, but. And I wrote, I think one or two of what I would have considered a book, mm-hmm. but it never really stirred me okay. the way Once Upon a Mouse did. So, and that one I finished in 2010 when my dad turned a hundred. So yeah, that was that was an interesting aspect of it too. But one of the things that, and I think we discussed it, but I, and I don't remember how it organically came up, <laughs> but I will just jump in. Just shoot on in, the spine. One of the things that, that I enjoy is, is when you read a book, when you start it, is if the beginning just yes. grabs you, clinches you, yeah. you know, like takes you by the spine and says, come on, let's go on this trip. And I walked up to Patrick one day, and, I, and he's the same way, and I just said, well, what do you think of this? And I did the opening line, you know. It was enough to make the cow go mad, an odd thought for a mouse. But Danny had it nonetheless. And he went, I'd read that. And I went, oh shit, now I have to write it. <laughs> so
0: committed now.
1: that's how that one began.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's true. Every one of the stories so far, the, the books that I'm working on, they have to have some kind of a clinching title, a beginning. So you literally started with a sentence? Yeah. And you had no
0: idea what, how the rest of the book was going to go? No. So where did that journey take you next, then?
1: Um, well, I figured if, if it was a mouse, it had to be in some sort of world. Mm-hmm. And one of the easier ones for me to think about was fairy tales. And Patrick had always mentioned this book uh, by Bruno Bettelheim which I actually have here now.
0: You can see there's loads of post-it notes and everything.
1: (laughs) Uh, Uses of Enchantment by Bruno Bettelheim, which is... He had studied with Jung, I believe, and he worked with abused children, or uh, children that were non-responsive, they were having difficulties, uh, different homes would bring him in, and he utilized fairy tales to bring them out of their shells, to help them uh, deal with life, to start conversations, uh, to get them on a a journey of their own, of discovery. And a lot of times when, the the thing with fairy tales, and this is something I didn't mention before, is that they start with once upon a time or many other different phrases. Mm -hmm. And it usually ends with happily ever after or and if they're alive, they are still. Or whichever the case is. But it the, the premise of it is to take you on a journey and to bring you home safely. Mm-hmm. Which was the premise of a friend of mine, Joe Stefano. He created The Outer Limits. And that was where the voice at the very beginning, we control the your television set. Do not try to adjust. We will do all of that. And then the story came. And at the end, the voice came back saying, you now have control. You know... So you go home, you come home safely, but you learn something. Mm-hmm. That was basically the idea of fairy tales, mm-hmm. which I found more and more. And if if I didn't get something from it, they were flawed. There are a lot of fairy tales, a lot of Hans Christian Andersen ones that are are essentially flawed in this theory. Yeah. You know, the, the fact that the little mermaid is dead. Um, <laughs> you know, she's flotsam on the waves. Uh, it, not cool yeah. not cool butters yeah. just not um uh, and so he will he, he went out and on a limb and said this is not actually considered a fairy tale this would not actually be considered a, those fairy not, tales there is not a yeah. lesson that is learned and you come home safely you know and then there's the morals that are in a lot of the uh aesop's fables and some of the morals make absolute sense some of them not no uh but it was of the period and yeah. Many of the, the the fairy tales that he say, uh, cites in here are the ones that I continued to use based on some of his insights, but not all of them. Um, because some of them are just a little, not graphic, but not apropos of the story I okay. was trying to yeah. say. So some of them are about uh, female issues mm. that didn't necessarily play into what I was writing about. But I could utilize it Within the construct of, and is that how you narrowed it down? In yeah. terms,
0: because obviously, because I was thinking, there's uh, uh, like there's so many fairy tales, and obviously there you really use are. a lot in the book. A, but yeah. you know, you must have gone through a process of going, okay, these are the ones that make sense for the journey of the story. Yeah,
1: pretty much that was it. Well, the idea, and Daniel, I love how he explains the book, uh, which he says. Uh, logical mouse breaks fairy tales has to fix them yeah and that's the very quick way of of saying it which is true it, it's it, perfect though it's right it's exactly right it's so <laughs> yeah. so right daniel being my artist daniel kabuko oh, yeah. um I, i've ever since i've been doing the instagram lives i'm trying to remember that not everybody who hears this knows knows who who we're talking (laughs) about
0: because i may be watching them as well so
1: it's a bit of it was i'm like yeah Yeah. i know exactly who you're talking about but uh yes but yes you know the the uninitiated person person (laughs) may not so he uh has been wonderful in that respect so clearing it up but that was the whole idea is that a very logical mouse doesn't understand why these people do the things they do and doesn't actually accept the idea of what a fairy tale is, meets a young boy from 1941, Sully who has somehow managed to sneak in as well. Uh, Well, not sneak in, he just, it happens. And all for the right reasons. Um, As well as a very faith-based cat named Leo. And they are on a journey as Danny is trying to fix things. And Doyle, the young lad, is realizing that there are fairy tales starting to get missing from his book. He has a book that has all the fairy tales in him. He goes, that sounds like... And he starts to read one and you know they don't understand what reading is, they don't understand what poetry is, they don't get that. So he tries to explain it. And little by little, Danny, being also incredibly clever, learns how to read. So it helps in different ways. I just, there was, yeah, a lot of fun writing those things. It, it was fun. It was stupid fun writing this book. <laughs>
0: And was it and and because you'd kind of gone you know you literally started with a line, then gone down the research route of the fairy tales, so then how did you decide on the journey that, that I don't want to give too much away about the book either, but how do you decide on the journey that that Danny goes on you know so you've got fairy yeah. tales you've got a line and you've chosen the the mouse as the main character, um, did you did you then say okay well I think what I want to do is I want the mouse to explore all of these fairy tales is
1: that well the The whole beginning was I had to find a way to get her to feel that she had to flee okay yeah so uh, you know the, the very beginning is we realize that her cousins are the three blind mice we realize that her mother was the one that ran up and down the clock for hickory dickory dock but her mother had died in a clock incident uh we find out more about that later and that uh the uh farmer's wife mm-hmm. who is deadly with a carving knife yep. uh you know she feels needs to have her comeuppance but
0: again that goes back to i think uh, it's the thing that, it, that that first bit of the book the the, the the what i like about it is are all of those things because it does yes the first line grabs you but then you realize that you immediately see you know you're not trying to hide anything particularly in that you know because you're you're bringing everyone in and going okay, okay Immediately, we're in some version of a fairy tale. We've immediately got the three blind mice. Mm-hmm. We've got Hickory well partially
1: sighted partially
0: sighted. My I told my daughter when my dad was reading it to her, and she, the the questions were just hilarious. And the thing was, she'd listened to the um, to the audio book before, but I think I, I think we just had it on in the background and stuff, so she wasn't necessarily. Then when someone is reading it to you, which I think is one of the most precious things in the world, and um, and she was that like, kind. Well, why are the mice blind? And I was like, well, I I don't know why the mice are blind. And I love that. there There's all these questions that come up. But yeah, but going back to that, the, the yeah, so it draws you in. You know you're in this world. Um, so, and I think that's a really lovely way to bring everybody in.
1: Well, and that's partially historical, too, in the three blind mice, because... Uh, you know, they, they were, I think, at one point, uh, government officials of some sort that were not doing properly because they were short-sighted or they could not see, and the farmer's wife cut off their tails with a carving knife, did you ever see such a sight in your life as three blind mice? Uh, because and I don't remember if it was the Queen or something else, they she you know basically cut them off from the legs and basically said no. So it turned into this rhyme, which many of the Mother Goose tales are either fraught from or attributed to certain historical things. Like they they loved to say that "Ring Around the Rosie" was for the plague, the plague. thing, which yes. is not completely, no. and that um, "Mary Mary Quite Contrary" was for uh, Queen Mary, uh, not completely, but they were able to utilize it. And, and in both situations, they could make total sense mm. of how it would play out. Uh, but there are a couple, and, and it's cited in the book the lion and the unicorn having a discussion. And it was because the unicorn of Scotland and the lion of France, that, I mean, I'm sorry, the lion of England, were deciding to become one country and that was an elizabethan thing so that was one of the ones that i, I do discuss because mm. doyle's trying to say how it's a historical thing yeah. and yet they know it as a, a, a as real historical. event
0: and i think i think that's fascinating it's it, it's really interesting that that element of fairy tales isn't it that that at what point at what point did someone transfer something from a, a, a fact or possibly a legend and turn it into an actual fairy tale you know how, how does that journey happen
1: well and, that's... and there's another book that I read uh read about called clever maids and it is about all the women that helped brothers Grimm write the stories they got all the stories from them added their certain christian elements their certain anti-woman elements you know whichever the case may be of that era but a lot of them, and there's another wonderful book, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, Women Who Run With the Wolves. Oh, yes. Ab- absolutely excellent. Because it it gives part of the stories, but told the way some of them may have actually tried to be handed down. Yeah. So with the, the, the fairy tales, it's also a case of what knowledge is it trying to impart? One of the things that we, we discussed before, and it's gone to the ether, so I'm going to try and recall it again, was the uh, idea, Barbara Streisand had at one point talked about Hansel and Gretel being this horrible story of these poor two children and their stepmother who hates them, kicking them out into the woods, and you know, and people buy that, and it's not the actual way, because when the story began. It was of an era where you were working on the the Laird's land, uh, the lord of the manor, and if you were an attractive woman, you might end up as his plaything until he decided to get rid of you, or you were down in the scullery until all the fumes killed you. Mm -hmm. If you were the young man, you would muck the stalls until lung disease came and killed you, whichever the case may be. But it was also a period where people could strike out on their own and try to begin their own lives. And what the story is about is teaching the children how to become self-sufficient mm-hmm. and also te- teaching them how to do it together so Aunt Gretel protects Hansel yeah. and fools the witch in response to try and make sure that her brother stays safe yeah. um, he hides the food so that they can both share it you know it's, it, it, it's a very very interesting way of doing it and of course they kill the witch which is no, Not very really. fun when you're dealing with the fact that well I'm Wiccan, yes. but she was a bad witch. She was a bad witch. <laughs> she was a mean witch. And then the other self-defense. Uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. And then I was thinking of another one, and now I can't. It's out of my head. We what well, We
0: mentioned because there, there's uh, lots of stuff now about this about and, and I quite oh. like because we talked about the retelling of of fairy tales mm-hmm. and, um, and and where the and you were quite passionate about and where the the line is drawn. So, are you retelling the story, or are you making a new one? And 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 this idea now that what we need to do is we need to retell them, but we need to make them
1: politically correct.
0: correct. Yes, exactly. Because you were saying about the um, the consent.
1: Yeah, that really. Because I love Kirsten Bell. Uh, I you know she's 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 okay. Uh, Good place is a fun show, uh, but she talked about having read. Snow White with That's her what, children and, um, and how the one daughter said, well, why did the prince kiss her when she was asleep without asking? And it, it pissed me off because it's like, Kristen Bell, don't you know that story? She's not asleep. They all thought she was dead. Yeah. And in that era, I mean, even when I was a child, it was you went and paid your respects mm-hmm. to the dead body. And there were times that you would plant a kiss on the dead body. Doing this helped me understand more of. Yeah. It was really strange, the, 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 the opening up of my eyes that happened not just with fairy tales but how they are read and how the stories are told and where they came from. Yeah. You know, the, the, the idea of consent when they believe she's dead yeah. kills me all the time and And the whole idea of uh you know well, true love's kiss will wake her, but she's been in that bed for a hundred years. you know chances are chick dead <laughs> you know you you don't have a clue, really, yeah. and what do you do you know if you if you, you go, bend over, you it's give a medicine. kiss, and it's a not a reaction exactly, yeah. and I think the other thing was well she doesn't even know him so yeah actually they did meet mm-hmm. and there are moments like that yeah. and Cinderella dad's alive dad is putting the prince through tests yeah. and you know trying to figure out how if he is worthy and in a, in a superficial kind of behind the scenes way you know it's Cinderella goes running up a bird you know house and manages to get into her house from there prince knocks on the door and the it says she ran up the bird. You know, she went up to birdhouse and he brings out an axe, chops it down, and says, Nothing here. And then there's a tree or something. He chops the tree down and goes I don't get it. So it's and everything is done in their threes because of this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. And it, it, it it's yeah. Yeah, there's so many I don't, so know, many those, different I
0: don't know those I don't know those versions of, of,
1: uh, of Cinderella. Yeah, well a lot of people read basically the Disney versions Obviously. Yeah, when you're a child, that's what you get, yeah. you know. Uh, and not many people do get into the other ones. But that's also why in the back of the book I put a little glossary of it to tell everybody where they came from. Because I was being as obscure as I could while Preserving the original... To yeah. preserve it, but also to not come out and say, Hickory Dickory Doc, until later when Doyle starts to recite it. Because I just, I wanted it to be something of just everyday life that this was just the way it was. And the dish ran away with the spoon. You know, when he was always having a hard time when that dish ran away. He couldn't find the dish anywhere. You know, it, it was just, how do you do it without giving it away was my whole idea because it was an everyday event. But also there's a challenging, not
0: challenging, but there's a, because of, because of what, because of, um... Doyle's attitude, because to to these fairy tales, I think there's a, there's so many really lovely moments where he's kind of challenging them and going, well, this doesn't make any sense. And you said that's come up again without not giving away too much of the book, um, but I think it's really lovely the way that that that, that happens because you, you've brought in all of these these fairy tales and he goes through this journey and there's a question
1: in each section. And well, then, they're both and then, they're both having that the, this you, doesn't make sense. Doyle do, doesn't understand that he's in a fairy tale world. No. And Danny doesn't understand Danny. why.
0: So we've got da- and Danny mixed up.
1: Yeah, okay, but but I mean, everybody—the yeah. only one who doesn't question anything is you know Leo, who's just going to be happy with Leo. a ball of yarn. I love <laughs>
0: like, Leo. Let's talking of the characters. Actually, let's let's quickly just talk about the audio books. I do want to talk about that, and we and we didn't actually um, talk about that much because we were so busy chatting away last time. Um, so the, there's an audio version of Once Upon a Mouse, which is wonderful, Thank and you. Um, what's, fascinating about it, and from Ian and I's perspective, Ian and I are both uh, audiobook narrators, um, And is it's a really interesting style of audiobook. I think it is the only one that I know of that uses multicast in the way that it does. So what happens, so in, um, in Once Upon a Mouse, now there are lots of versions, I'll just go through this quick, lots of versions of how you do audiobooks and kind of audio drama. So you've got obviously straight narration, which is one narrator who does everything done. Then you have duets and duels which is where you have either the female narrator taking the female parts and the male narrator taking the the male parts or you have um, that kind of mixing up where they do the point of view so they both play both of the parts but they're doing it chapter by chapter depending on whose point of view it is from Um, and then obviously you have multicast where there's literally um, lots of different people playing the different characters usually the multicast tends to be adapted a little bit or, or you have a narrator It's almost well.
1: like a radio play. When it I becomes it a bit way. more yeah. like
0: a, a radio drama. Um, what Once Upon a Mouse does is it is multicast,
1: <clears throat>
0: but because the perspective shifts, I'm not going to say changes. Right. Shift, I think it, the point of view shifts, even within a chapter. So what you get is, you get um, some narrators uh, will start, Amy starts the book and is beautiful, Um, And and then people come in and start playing characters. And then when the point of view shifts, you get a new narrator in. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So we had four main narrators. Yes. We had um, Amy doing Danny the Mouse. And Amy was, well, she was my inspiration. In fact, I spoke with her about it just as I was starting to write it. And I was asking her questions about things. And in her responses, I would just look at this adorable little face of hers and just go, Yeah, she's Danny. Um, There was also uh, a Danielle at the Crescent, who I absolutely adored. And I was like, oh, well I call you Danny, that's a good name. So I I based that on her name, but it was basically Amy as that character. And then there is Leo, uh, the faith-based cat that she runs into, who is actually based on my dad's cat, when it sat around the house, it sat around the house. In fact, if you look at the pictures, those are pictures of Rogi. Um, I yeah, gave. So I all... remember
0: seeing. Um, I guess it might have been on Facebook. It probably wasn't Instagram was mm-hmm. at the time. And you used to post pictures of your of your dad, this beautiful, amazing, massive ginger cat. And yep. then when I saw the pictures of the book, I was like, "That's got to be." Yep. that was Rogie. <laughs> That's
1: Rogi. That and he he just as laid back as that was the way I depicted Leo. Um, and then there's Doyle, who is the young boy from 1941 Sully Hall, and then there is Simon, who is um, our mysterious character. Uh, so those were the four main voices. Uh, Stefan discussed this with me, Ridniki, he's the one, one of the management people from Skyboat Media who produced the audio. And he said, this is just what I've found, is that it sounds like you have these four main voices. Mm-hmm. And I was... I, I didn't get it. Because like because the perspective changes and it becomes Danny's part of the story or becomes Doyle's part of the story. It becomes... And I was like, really? Because I, I... I guess I see it cinematically or mm. I write it that way because, I mean, every single... The, the books that I love the most, and William Goldman is probably my, my god, of, yeah. he does... I always thought that was kind of the same thing. They change perspective in the middle of it because... Mm. It just happens, mm. you know. I really do believe that there are times that yeah, you can tell it's just this one person going through, or George R. R. Martin. You've got the chapter title by this person, the chapter title yeah. is that person, and so that's where you know that the perspectives are going. But no, I I so I said okay. He said, do you mind if we you know do it that? I said no, mind. But, but and I told him. Amy is who I based it on, uh, my brother Raymond is who Simon is based on, and Doyle is, is, is Patrick is a child. I said, and Leo is Billy Connolly. I don't know if you can afford him.
0: <laughs> he may not be available. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: I don't think he was. But uh, Stefan himself did Leo, because he just went, I, I can purr with the best of them. And I was like, yes, please just keep talking. Because he does have an absolutely lovely voice. It's, it's like if you put Patrick and he together in a room, I'm just the happiest girl. Uh, they, they can tell me a bedtime story or wake me up anytime. It It's marvelous that way. So he did that. And then we had a few minor things that they wanted other people to do. And it was essentially me and Susan. I don't think we had anybody else that did the smaller versions of yeah. other characters. So... Yeah, that that was wonderful fun to be able to to read in your own book. Yeah. So it was good. It was a, it, a yeah. I got to do both John and Zarina, the the Queen Ant. The Queen Ant. Yes. I, I and,
0: and funny enough, I remember when the, uh, the Queen. I was like, that's jazz. That's. <laughs> great, that's, that's <laughs> um, but, but funny enough, I thought do you you don't do the voice of Leo at any point. No. See, I was convinced <laughs> in the early part that it's you doing Leo. Yeah.
1: No. That's and cool. and Claire uh, Bloom-Benedict, who directed it, was also very uh, clear about making sure that she knew they had an incredible editor. But she would have them read practically the entire chapter, the four people, yeah. and then have somebody else read the entire chapter. Oh, and then they would. So if it was one that had a meshing, unless they knew for a fact that most of it was just going to be that and then most of yeah. the other was going to be that... Then of course they would have them do just that, but there is a couple of areas where it switched back and forth. Yeah, yeah. And they had them just, just for continuity to have them read that the whole flow. thing. The flow like, going. Oh, and then they had the other person do that so that when they edited it. it in fact there was only that having a good editor is essential. Honestly. Um in the very beginning of the book I make up what I thought was a joke, <clears throat> but she thought was a typo and nobody called me. And it wasn't until I started to hear the first thing. Uh, But she liked her cousins. They were good for for some, well, company for only. And you know, because to me it was like, it's not just one thing, that's the only thing they were good for. Mm. She thought it was a typo and it should have said company for one. And so she had Amy say that. And I went back and said, no, no, this is a joke. And she went, oh, okay. Because they didn't want me to be there while they were working. And I can understand that, um, but there are f- a few things that I, I I would have liked phone call about. That's about the only way I guess I can put it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, otherwise, it was great fun, especially in the tiny, tiny booth, sitting cheek to cheek with Susan, doing to Hansel do and the, Gretel together. Yeah, yeah. That was that was great fun. That was. And was it? Awesome and and was it? Fun.
0: And and the exp- I always think the. Um, whenever I speak to authors about listening to. Um, because I think it's a different thing, I and mean, you'll you'll have some experience of this because of plays that you've written and stuff. It's quite different having um, your uh, a, a play that you've written to go on stage because you you have that vision. So having it performed seems perfectly natural. But when you wrote the book, did you have any concept of there being an audio version?
1: Well, it wasn't that I had a concept of an audio version, but I'm a theatrical director, a theatrical, yeah, yeah. so I don't you know people say oh was this inspired by this person no i cast my books mm. i if somebody looks like this person it's probably because i've worked with them in a show i know what they are good with and what they can work at it's like my brother is a brilliant actor he's absolutely brilliant is he anything at all like simon no physically yeah the way i describe him the 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 laconic moves, the way he can be, totally that, but that's where it pretty much ends. But I know he could act the hell out of that part. So then I imagine what I would put him through as a director and what I could have him do. How far could I have them go? Mm-hmm. Amy I've worked with in several different shows and I've acted with her as well. So I, I know what I would be doing with Amy. Uh, Stefan directed me in something else, so I felt comfy with that, but I absolutely adore Billy Connolly. (laughs) I I have adored, he, I can't remember if, I think he was in a TV series we had in America called Head of the Class initially, and then he left and Howard Hessman took over. I think it's that way and it wasn't the other way, but I watched it because, oh my god, it's a Scotsman! I gotta see this! And that began my lifelong love with Billy Connolly. We have dvds of his work we have cds we have books i have pretty much all the books he's written i've watched a bunch of different things and
0: but he has a copy of your book
1: yeah a a, par- a dear friend of mine is good friends with his daughter and um he she knew that i based him leo on her dad uh, Lori told her this and when she found that out Lori said is it possible can we get a book to her and I was yes <laughs> give that oh, okay yeah, will get it into the house so whether or not he's read it I have no idea but, he, but it's in his house but yeah <laughs> if, if not she's got it and at some point you know because I think they're in, in separate she, he's in Florida she's in LA or something uh, okay. but you know family get togethers yeah, so you yeah. never and I did say you know thank your dad for being my inspiration or something like of that sort of ilk, because yeah, uh, of course I'm gonna say that. I, I love it. He's wonderful. But so all these things are people that I have seen, that I understand, that I can, you know, so manipulate you, so you, so you have, in yeah, my head. So
0: you have a, a kind of, um, well, as you said, actually, a cinema, you sort of write in a almost a cinematic way anyway, an in, in imagery yeah. based writing. In a
1: theatrical way as well, and if you will.
0: So when you heard, did hearing the audio version give you anything unexpected
1: or, any, or were you just delighted with
0: it because it was I was <laughs> I was
1: happy I think the only thing that that you know and I, I've mentioned this to a couple of other people the only th- was uh, one day himself came when when he was in at the house after I'd listened to it I said why well, why didn't Claire remind you to, to be English because you are you know he was born here yeah so and he went oh, oh yeah that's a good because Amy, when she reads Doyle's lines, does it with an accent Because and she was so excited to be able to do that because she's like, I get to work on my accent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, because your French accent sucks. No, that, and that's only a joke because I did uh, the newly added Shakespearean play, Edward III, and she was one of you know, the young Dauphin and uh, delivered into a rather I'm not going to say a cheesy French accent because I have that in my second book, but it was, the, everybody tried. Mm. Tried okay. real hard. <laughs> and for America, it was good. And then I came here and went to France and went, oh no, yeah, no they're not. <laughs> not quite. It'll pass to a point. <laughs> you know, that's about it. Yeah, so, so th- that, was, that was amusing fun. But that was probably the only thing that I had an issue with well and the one joke oh yeah
0: yeah well I didn't I didn't mean issues necessarily I you know was there something that made that perhaps just the audio version give you anything that you go oh I didn't even realize I'd written it that way or, no you know what I mean really. like anything like that because you'd already because I, I I've had some authors go oh gosh I, I I suddenly had this image in my head that was never there before um but I guess because you had such a such clear imagery with you yeah I'm trying and to basically think basically because you'd cast them all so all the people who were doing the audio version you <laughs> yeah. basically cast them anyway well yeah, okay. yeah
1: and I mean I think Ray had asked me one or two things about yeah. what Simon had done yeah. and I think Amy had asked yeah. me one or two things about what Danny had done but that was yeah. th- that was basically it yeah. I, once it went under Claire's wing I didn't talk yeah, to people
0: right. so what's next for one of our
1: I'm a professional I speak for a living
0: yes um, What's next for what's one of us?
1: I have no clue. Well, there's not just one book. Yeah, it's not. It's it. I I would like to say it's a trilogy, but um, (laughs) hard. Well, because I was not happy with the publisher, I was not happy with my agent. I'm in the the midst of searching for all kinds of new things. Hello, if you are any of these things, please talk to me. They're brilliant. Uh, The second book could stand on its own. Uh, It's not until the end that I, because it is, it becomes an urban fantasy. This one is timeless. It is, you know, fantastical. You don't know where it is. You know that somebody has come from the outside world, but that's really about it yeah there's, Where,
0: no, there's no specific period to the outside world think, no. No, no well
1: not at this point because Simon is supposed to come from 2004 he's come from, yeah. so he's come from the future Doyle's come from the past and or so. or whichever it might be considering you are in a world that doesn't have a time zone mm-hmm. essentially yeah and uh or a, a season mm-hmm. shall we say uh, everything's just beautiful kind of like in um, Bridgerton where the wisteria is always growing <laughs> um, just, just please uh, so the second one becomes an urban fantasy where it is up to date it Is pretty much now it, I think not at this moment I think it's. I started setting it in 2014 because okay. that may have no 15 when I started writing I'm not quite sure 14 I don't really remember but it started then and then the third one is three years later uh, I know that I have to have it at a certain point when the V&A still had the cast room off-limits except for going up on the top part, and that okay. was about 2018 20- that it reopened. So it's about 2017 in the third one, um, <laughs> for want of a better description. Okay. But uh, it is an urban fantasy, and we have a whole bunch of new characters, and it's not till the very end that you suddenly realize, oh, but wait could this possibly be? And if you don't know that, it's just... It doesn't matter. You you kind of look at it and go, that's interesting. Where did that... What? This is another story. So by the end of that one, you think, well, there's got to be some other answer to this. And and that answer could be in reading the first book, which I could have done as a second book, so as a prequel to it. It just depends on the visualization and the, the kindness of the agent who wants to go with me and the publisher. But the third one is definitely the third one, and okay. that continues where three years after the second one leaves off, and it does go back to the fairy tale world. Okay. So I have immersed myself in more fairy tales and have to, yeah. Uh, Melissa Harrod told me a, a wonderful a dear friend of mine. She was a member of the theater group that I was part of in L. A. Uh, and when she saw that it was about fairy tales, she said, "Do you know Princess Bean?" And I went, "I don't think so." And it was an Italian one, I believe, is what she said. And she got a, she got me the book. She just came over one day because she was living close enough to my, my dad's house. And she said, "Just read it," and and left. And it was like, "Okay, <laughs> I'll see what sees um, who she works for." So I, I read it. I fell in love with it, and it is playing a very important part within the story as well, as uh, it it opens up the fairy tale world is suddenly expanding. To include um, stories of inclusion, to okay. have story—it's stories of other countries. Definitively, at one point they're walking, and it will become more of a savanna type look, and you suddenly realize you're in Africa, or you can go into another area and definitely colder. So it's a Norway. Thing. So there's, but it's not far. You know, because it's the fairy tale world. It's you don't have world. to travel far before anything becomes mysterious and magical. You,
0: you can just step over the line.
1: Yeah, way. basically. Or through the mist. Of course. You know, because that's the way Doyle says. You, you know, because I was going through a mist, and then suddenly it was here, and I don't know. And, yeah. But it's, it, so it's it's all about literature, is the second one. The first uh-huh. one is the fairy tales, yeah. because I'm dealing with the child becoming the adolescent. It's, it's you know, a, uh, Going into the family. Of
0: age, effectively. So. A set,
1: well, it's... It, it's the terrible twos trying to assimilate into the family, uh, wanting to understand more about it. the fact that it—it's not just all about them. Mm. It branches out, yeah. and then the second book deals with the uh, young person becoming the teenager and all of that, what that implies, and how, you know, you have a whole new skill set that you've got to learn. And then the third one is the teenager becoming the young adult. So the second one deals with literature because when Casey was that age, my son, over summer he was told to read Sense and Sensibility, and it ruined reading for him. It, I, had, I had to get him, a, and I, I know he'll kill me for mentioning it, but I brought him a Dan Brown book, and it just took the taste right out of it. And I said, you know, these are just pablums. This is just for you to read because just it's more of an adventure story, and you're gonna to want to go to all these places, and that's what I look. I look at them as travelogs. I remember you saying that. Yeah. yeah you said that but, but he. I've not read them. I've not read anything yeah, them. Um, yeah. You don't need to because no. it's Chinese food, you know. Yeah. But that's what a lot of kids at that age are dealing with in their literature classes: is reading, and discussing but, books. So that's I why. Think, I think it's, it's the,
0: the 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 sad thing about that is that even if. And I've always read lots and lots of books. I've always loved it. But when I did my A-levels, and even if you're given a really good book, and we were given, we were studying A Child in Time by Ian McEwan, Mm. which I love. It's a great book. But studying it? (laughs) What a pain in the ass! Like, you know, I don't want to, I want to enjoy it. I want to live it. I want to, you know, and, and I, think, I do think. I don't me, want anyway. to research
1: it down to no. the fact that he so was actually, a bedwetter as a child. Yeah, I know. Which is basically, and that was in a line in a play that I wrote, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's it. When they have you study these people, and then you end up studying the author, yeah. and it takes it away from everything.
0: You've broken the world. You've broken the world. Exactly. Um, which, I, which I think is always a terrible shame.
1: Well, and um, it's lovely. And, and
0: actually, so did that, uh, that kind of mirrors a little bit? So you going back to and having to study the fairy tales. Did that break or I feel like that done the opposite, that enhanced your world.
1: Well, because I didn't have somebody telling me, look at it you this way. You must do it in this way. <laughs> and exactly. here's a test. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't have someone right. say, Isn't Hansel and Gretel's mum and dad awful? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It was understanding where it came from. Yeah. And and when they put it into a different perspective. Mm. And why. You know, and, and the hidden messages behind a lot of the stories. Mm. I mean the whole thing with Sleeping Beauty is it is a story about menses. And the whole thing with this, um, Beauty and the Beast. That is a story about sexual relations mm-hmm. and how a woman has to come to terms with the beautiful man that she's married and the beast that happens in bed. You know, and it's how to prepare them for this. So people are like, how could her father, you know, Stockholm Syndrome, blah, 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 which is always that's wrong. That's not
0: what it means. No. That's not what it meant at the time. No, no
1: it, it wasn't. It was trying to explain, you are coming of age, and this is what is going to happen. Sadly, this is what you're, yeah. And, you know, there's no mom there to say, what, it's I've okay. Book for you to read. Oh. Yeah. Um, which if you've not read, do you know Kieran Millwood Hargraves? No, but that's a great name. It's a great name. She's a <laughs> wonderful author. She's written a book called The Mercies. I just saw that today and almost bought it at the it's, grocery.
0: I, I will give it... I've got a copy. Oh, it okay. It's it's a wonderful... But it, but it just reminded... It's, oh, it's yes, you favorite, did a Wine and Words on it. did a Wine and Words on it. That's yeah, right. Um,
1: because I read the book. back and I just kind of went, I'm not sure. No, it's so good. Okay. It's my book of the year in terms of... Um, it brings you in so
0: much with those characters. But there are elements of that where... Um, it, it, it deals with those elements of having to be put in a situation where you're marrying this person who is not very pleasant. Um, yeah. So it deals with that, um, among many other things. But um, that's very good. I well, that what
1: I enjoyed about it is it also uh, dealt with a, um, a, a area of just women and how they mm. t- I thought that was a fascinating concept because the last book that I... One of the books that I absolutely love, Elizabeth Perkins Gilman, uh, Her Land... And she was a Victorian era. In fact, Jandice Books, which is my other guilty pleasure, they're across the way from the um, uh, British Museum and Mm -hmm. Little Antiquarian Bookstore. I get a lot of marvelous books from them. And some of them are stupid expensive but understandable, and Mm -hmm. others are incredibly reasonably priced considering what you're getting. And they have a book of hers, a treatise on... Child, children and considering the way she did her land which was she took a island and made it just women mm-hmm. and these women have learned how to procreate uh but, so they don't really need a man and this uh airplane crashes onto the island area and it's and it's told from the perspective of one of the men who kind of gets it okay. <laughs> you know as he's living it he's like yeah this makes sense um, and the other ones who don't and and so you really un- see the the sympathetic male who's manly and whatever and then the the I'm a guy and you have to acquiesce and they're like bullshit mm-hmm. um, and it really was fascinating in the way they raise their children uh, you and they don't have male bull- children it's only oh, girls. It's just, okay but it was it was quite interesting it was it's a wonderful wonderful book for that i think the second book that she did after that becomes a little more heavy handed but the first one was so gentle, I, I just what don't... what Her Her Herland. Herland. Okay. H-E-R-L-A-N-D. Elizabeth Perkins Gilman. Okay. But yeah, they're a guilty pleasure of mine, and, and they will have these books every now and then that I just walk in and go, need... Oh yeah, I, I love need. that kind of bookstore. Okay, so very quickly then, um, so uh, uh, Jazz also does, which is uh,
0: worth checking out, she mentioned it briefly, she does Instagram Lives every uh, Sunday. Sunday night... And there's either a story and or a guest. But tell us where we can find you, follow you, stalk
1: you. Yeah. Oh, God, please. Please stalk me. <laughs> um, on Instagram, I'm at uh, J lower score underscore A underscore Zerithian Z A R I F I A N. It's my maiden name. I was raised Armenian. Um, and so that's at Instagram. That is the professional account. And that's where I will be doing the... Instagram lives and uh, on Facebook I I don't know there's Once Upon a Mouse page there's also a J A Zorifian author page and both of which I think are listed in the Instagram account and if you can't find that you know me on Facebook there's there's obviously ways yeah
0: Google Once Upon a Mouse
1: yeah and, and there's also the website the, the website is beautiful yeah we haven't
0: had time to talk oh really that's okay really the website the... very
1: quickly is uh, Doyle'sBook.com that's it. yes dear. Yes, when you Google Once Upon a Mouse, it's got Once Upon a Mouse novel, uh, but there is another short, there was a a children's book called Once Upon a Mouse, Mm -hmm. and also Once Upon a Mouse has been taken over by a lot of disney Mm -hmm. so if you hashtag Once Upon a Mouse novel on Instagram, you'll find my stuff. Uh If you hashtag Once Upon a Mouse, you'll get a whole lot of, (laughs) and I am a Disney whore, so I'm fine with that, Yeah, but... Within it all are some of the artwork and pictures, yeah, and yeah. They're it, beautiful. We did, we did mention Daniel, but uh, we'll, we'll approach His that artwork is amazing. Yes, let's have <laughs> another chat. Bring another bottle. <laughs> Bring more, wine, cheese. more
0: cheese. Bring Yay. But thank you so much. I'm so so to you all again. Um, uh, it's
1: once again been wonderful. I didn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Get to see you more. It's charming. All right, then. Cheers. Bye.
0: So that was the lovely J.A. Zorifian, or Jazz, uh, as I know her. And uh, it was great to have that chat with her twice, effectively. Um, But really interesting to go through that journey of, of how she wrote her book and how she got from one sentence to a book that explores all of these different tales and explores how how we view them and perhaps how we make sense of them so that's uh once upon a mouse uh, which is a really lovely interesting book to read or listen to because the audiobook is also fantastic and again it kind of breaks the rules a little bit or the, or the walls if there are any um so and it's interesting again to to explore and think about how we view those traditional tales and you know, is there a lean towards us sort of hiding them away a little bit going, well, it's a bit sexist. It's a bit this. We probably shouldn't tell it. But we need to remember why they were told and, and the time and what they represented for their time. So I think it was really interesting to explore that. Uh, now, the next episode is me talking to Sam Langley Swain, who is an author and publisher uh, from Owlet press and actually he talks about uh, all his books which is which he has created the books that he's written and the books that he publishes which have a huge focus on the modern world so they are looking at inclusivity and how we show um, a mirror up to the world through stories so that's in the next episode thanks so much for joining me take care